Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi-award-winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits. The first thing I want to talk about is something that we kind of finished up yesterday's show with. And I have to say, we should have given it a lot more time, so we decided just to continue it on today. And it's, I suppose, a topic which I, as a man, didn't think too much about. Even though I've, well, I personally haven't had three children. My children are all grown up now. But when they were born, something that you don't think about is postnatal depression, which in turn, by the way, can, if uh, more serious and not diagnosed properly, uh, can turn out to be postpartum psychosis or just depression, I suppose. And we spoke to a lot of mothers yesterday, particularly young mothers who had just had babies or their first baby. And this whole idea of isolation and feeling like a bad parent and feeling like you're not doing things right. And there you are responsible now for this small little human being. And what are you supposed to do with it? Am I doing it right? My mother thinks I'm doing it wrong. My mother-in-law is telling me what I should be doing and maybe I'm just a bad parent. And then the husband maybe traditionally goes back to work because you're on maternity leave. And all of a sudden you're on your own with this little baby. And women have described yesterday the way they felt and something that men maybe don't understand and we need to understand better, the way they felt this, this loneliness and this depression. And some women saying they absolutely hated the child. And not that they really hated it, they actually loved the child. And they regret now that they did that. Or maybe they might have another child and they feel that they're isolating that other child because they're spending so much time with the baby all of a sudden. And it's all a very complicated situation. And we think of the birth of a child as this most wonderful thing in the world. But for women and men sometimes as well, we spoke to one guy yesterday, you know, he said when the child came along, he went into depression as well because your whole life changes. And for people who don't have children, um, for whatever reason, maybe some people can't have children, I understand that too. But if you don't have children or you haven't had a child yet, you have no understanding of how your world changes. The responsibility that you always believed was for yourself, you now have a responsibility for another human being. Till they're 18 years of age at least anyway, or <laughs> to be honest with you, I have three kids till they're 23 or 24 as well. But I want to talk about postnatal depression and what your experiences have been because I think it's really important that we discuss this in radio and we talk about it because people who believe maybe I'm different, uh, you know, bet you loads of other mothers have never experienced what I'm feeling and, you know, this maybe this hatred for the child or whatever it happens to be. Maybe I'm there's something wrong with me. Well, there's nothing wrong with you. What's happening to you happens to maybe 10 to 15% of women and it's quite common and even it's quite common for more than that, a larger percentage just to feel depressed even if you don't want to categorise it as postnatal postnatal depression or postpartum psychosis, just feeling down. Some women describe this period as going on for years. Others say just a couple of months. Well, just give us a bit more information about it. We want to hear your experiences, uh, particularly ladies, but guys as well. I mean, how did it work out for you and your partner? You know, I suppose, were you much help, support? Did you understand her? Let us know what you think. The number is 087-188-0008. That's 087-188-0008. And just to give us a bit more insight into it is Jen Crawford, who's the owner and director of uh, Doula Care Ireland. Uh, Jen, good afternoon to you. Hi, Noel. How are you? Thanks well, for having me on. No, no problem at all. We spoke to, we, we did this to yesterday as a kind of topic that we figured, oh, sure, look, we'll do this for half an hour. I think it'd be nice to do it and to give people a bit of an insight. But I have to say the reaction we got has been overwhelming uh, with the amount of women who are texting us who want to come on the air and talk about it. It's more common than probably we imagine. Absolutely. And I'm so delighted that you're opening up the discussion, exactly what you're saying, so that people can share their experiences and so that new parents out there know that it is a really common thing. Um, just listening to your introduction there, I think one thing that you may have kind of maybe not discussed so much on is anxiety. And that's something that's really, really, really common with new parents, both male and female, is just that sense of anxiety of, you know, 
is the baby breathing? Are they getting enough? How many wet dirty nappies do they need to have? And they're kind of on this high alert all the time. And it's not always necessarily that it's a depression or a psychosis or anything really serious. It's just that anxiety. And really the biggest thing to combat that is support, support, support. But see, this is the so, problem. Here I am, you know, yeah. I'm a bloke. Now, don't get me wrong, my baby days are well over, right? But <laughs> I, I'm a bloke and, you know, I'm 23 years of age and my wife or partner has just had a baby and I kind of mm. feel helpless. Like, particularly if she say, for example, if she's breastfeeding, so I can't even help with the feeding. I kind of feel yeah. like, and I'm going back to work in a week's time and she's on maternity leave. What am I supposed to do? How can I make her life easier? How can I understand her better? I know. I think one of the biggest things is keeping those lines of communication open. So, you know, being able to sit down in the chaos and say, listen, what's going on with you? This is how I'm feeling. Recognising that it's a mask transition becoming parents and that it is hard you know it's it's not something like in the movies that we see where it's just easy and people are up with their makeup on well that's what we talked about yesterday social media has a lot to answer for because we see these wonderful mothers with their hair done makeup on and the baby dressed perfectly you know in their arms just born and we all think it's wonderful you know i know i know and there is this kind of pressure to bend back or you know to get back to your old life but actually, I think we need to just recognise that we probably will never be the same person that we were before we became parents. But that's not a negative thing. No. You know, you kind of open up a part of yourself that you didn't know existed. There's, there's also, I suppose, the body image part of it is a thing too. I know a lot of women are very conscious mm. about losing the baby weight immediately because they see these superstars in Hollywood on TV who, yeah. who probably really never probably had a baby. To be honest with you, <laughs> losing this weight and getting back to their size again. And there's a lot of pressure yeah. on women to feel, I want to look good again. There is, absolutely. And partners as well. Often partners will say, you know, that they kind of got into bad eating habits during pregnancy with their partner and they both kind of lost it a little bit or whatever. Um, And, you know, as doulas in Dear Carland, we work with parents through pregnancy, birth and the first year of their baby's life. So we kind of walk that journey with them all throughout. And sometimes these feelings of fear or anxiety or depression or whatever label you want to put on it, start from that very beginning phase when they find out they're pregnant. Mm-hmm. You know, how are we going to pay for all this? What doctor should we go to? Should we go midwifery med? Should we do this? And you're kind of doubting yourself from the get-go. And I think one really big thing to get out there is that there are supports out there. There's lots of voluntary groups. There's obviously online groups. And there's doula support. There's links in the maternity hospitals. There's counselling services such as Nurture Health that we work with a lot. And there's other people who feel the same, other mothers and, you know, mothers and toddler groups and mothers who feel the same. And I suppose we mentioned yesterday too that, you know, if you go back to 30 years ago, Ireland was more of a community. So when you had a baby, Mm -hmm. all the neighbours were in and out making you tea and helping you out. Whereas that doesn't happen as much now. So you don't get that same support anymore. I know, absolutely. And we've kind of lost that village. And it does take a village to not only raise a baby, but to raise a parent. Mm-hmm. You know, to kind of learn those skills. And it, if they don't pop out with a manual, you know, every baby is an individual and what works for one family might not necessarily work for another. So it's finding what works for your u- unique dynamic in your family. And really, it's reaching out and talking to other people, getting those skills, learning those experiences. Um, and, and I suppose the mother said yesterday, the, and I noticed the yeah. pattern yesterday, but all we, we had about 10, 15 mothers called us yesterday, young mothers, and there was a pattern there that they all felt, A, isolated and lonely. 
Um, mm-hmm. they, they all felt like they were bad parents because, you know, they were doing, say, feeding the baby a certain way and then the mother-in-law would arrive for a visit and she goes, oh, we didn't mm-hmm. do it like that in our days. And it kind yeah. of made you, made you feel like, or maybe you were letting the house fall to rack and ruins because you didn't have the time to hoover or clean or dust. So, and, you know, because one of the girls mentioned as well that we were talking to said, you know, that there was cobwebs or something like that in the, uh, up in the corner of the room and when somebody came to visit, <laughs> they went, oh, you could easily get those cobwebs down there with a brush if you want. And pointing out the inadequacies of her parenthood, you know what I mean? Yeah. And that was kind of something they felt like bad mothers. I know. And I think it is just, you know, it's accepting that you can't keep all the balls in the air and surrounding yourself with people who understand that. So don't invite the auntie around who's going to expect to be waited on when you have a three-day-old baby. You know, have the friends and family over that will look after you, that won't point the cobwebs out, but will actually just get up and get rid of them for you, that will make sure that you've eaten or that you can have a nap or have a shower. It's, you know, surrounding yourself with those supportive people that are going to build you up rather than tear you down. And I think part of it is that kind of Irish thing as well of, you know, when people say, oh, do you need anything or can I drop anything in? And we go, ah, no, I'm grand when the fridge is empty and you're... Yeah, don't say you're grand. Apart. Just say, listen, thanks, that'll yeah. be great. If you get us a sliced pan from the shop, that'll be great. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, or, you know, if, if someone that you know has had a baby, they don't need another little cute baby outfit that you just think is adorable and you have to buy. Drop them in a dinner that they have later on or, you know, offer to pick up a load of laundry and drop it back the next day. You know, it's those practical things that make a difference. Mm-hmm. And, like, parents remember the person who dropped off the lasagna over someone who gave another, you know, millionth baby grow that they probably will never wear. <laughs> I'm, on, I'm on fit them in two weeks. Yeah, we, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Well, listen, it's been lovely talking to you, Jen. Jen Crawford Thank is the owner and director of Doula Care Ireland. Thanks very much indeed. And by the way, our own Nikki Hayes has just joined me back in the studio here. Nikki, you've been last listened to for the last two hours because, Nikki, you went through postnatal depression. Yeah, I had postnatal depression after having Farah. Um, had a bit of a traumatic birth. Um, was kind of in labour for three days. I had failed induction, failed epidural, eventually spinal blocks and emergency C-section. So it was like completely traumatic. I was on morphine for a couple of days afterwards. So then coming off the morphine as well, you know, I suddenly realised, oh, I've got a three-day-old baby. And What um, do I do with it? Yeah, and like my mother-in-law was down and she was kind of helping us out, which was great. But I remember just waking up out of a haze of morphine and running down the stairs and screaming at her, give me my baby you know like yeah because you're not yourself no No. of course not Um, but apparently because I'd suffered with depression before I I was at high risk of well you are they do mention that in the stats by the way that if you have suffered from you know bipolar or any other mental health Mm. problem that you are a higher risk yeah but they don't tell you that in antenatal classes you know they they don't don't is it even something they discuss in an antenatal class post-natal depression I don't remember like to be honest if they so they tell you about the physicality of having a baby and how to prepare for that and the breathing exercises and all that and your pelvic floor muscles and all they don't tell you about the mental state that you I don't be remember in. having any mental talks at all um, on, on, on postnatal I don't remember that ever being brought up because it's something that would have res- re- resonated with me and I don't remember that at all and it was only it was my public health nurse came out on one of the develop, de- developmental checks I think it was like two weeks three weeks after and she actually saw me I mean the house was in bits my hair was all over the place I, I red eyes from crying she actually said something's not right here mm-hmm. you know so she was the one and who why do you, do you actually do you know why you were crying no 
I just felt I felt guilty that I didn't bond with her straight away because I was on the morphine after having the C-section. So right. I straight away felt because I was, I was out of it for a week. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Um, so I felt guilty about that. Then I felt guilty, you know, that I wasn't bonding with her properly. I couldn't breastfeed because I was on the morphine. So it was bottle fed. You know, she um, had problems. So your whole plan that you had of the, during gone. the wonderful pregnancy. Oh, sure. You I was had... going pain free and everything. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? So you were, you were looking at these Instagram girls with all their makeup and hair yeah, with their brand yeah. new babies. And you're thinking that's going to be me. Yeah. But that yeah. didn't turn out to be you. No. And I had a bump for like weeks afterwards. Do you know what I mean? It right. doesn't just go. Was that part of it as well? This whole idea that you feel, you know, you have to, because all the girls, of course, watch all the, you know, the Kardashians and all these. And when they have their babies, within three weeks, you know, they're back in bikinis again. Yeah, yeah. Is that something for women that's very, they're very conscious of their body image after they have a baby? Yeah, because I, I actually went up to my local shop um, a couple of weeks after having, having her and I didn't have her with me. She was at home with her dad. And um, someone said to me, oh God, when are you due? Oh, and I no. was like, I had her a month ago. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So, that, there's yeah. nothing worse to me, no. telling, because at least if you're pregnant, there's an excuse for you looking a bit bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but when you're not pregnant, you feel that you should need to lose that very oh, quickly. Oh, completely. And, you know, then you beat yourself up about that and you start putting yourself on a diet so you're not eating properly, you're not sleeping properly. It's just, it's a recipe for disaster. Okay, and how long do you think that kind of period lasts? And did you, similar to some of the women we were talking yesterday, they said they felt lonely, isolated, mm. like a bad parent. I mean, how long did that feeling stay with you? Months. Now, um, and to be honest with you, it, it went on for months. I went to a postnatal support group that my public health nurse put me in touch with in uh, West Blanchardstown and they were great because they were all mums that were going through the same thing and that really kind of helped and then I did a bit of one-on-one therapy as well just to kind of help me they said the birth was just so traumatic for me that you know mm. it, it caused all these problems and I don't want to scare women by the way who are pregnant at the moment I scare them to half to death no, because no, no, yeah. most births are not traumatic no of course yeah. not no of course not and some people like I know people who go in and you know they're, they're in labour for an hour and baby's out and they're happy out you know, and they're home my tea yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah that can happen too but like for me it just was particularly traumatic and because I had the mental health issues in the past I was highly prone to getting postnatal depression which I just feel was something that was never covered in the antenatal classes and I think if people knew that you could be a little bit bit more prepared for it then maybe I wouldn't have taken the morphine I might have just taken the paracetamol or you know like- So what advice would you give I suppose I'm going to say to mothers because I, but I think a lot of mothers will know what you went through and, and they probably certainly would you know understand that but what do you say to partners or fathers or you know the, the guys that are with these girls mm. you know do, and sometimes sadly they may be on their own as well and they, they may just have a family around them but what do you say how can you help somebody I mean how because I don't obviously understand it because mm. I have never been through it. I've been through depression, obviously, yeah. but I have never been through postnatal depression and that feeling. So what do you say? How can you help somebody in your situation? Well, I know what my husband, he was very frightened because he was, I guess he kind of thought, you know, you know, she's had the baby, she's going to take She's gone over. mad. Yeah, 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 like literally, I like lost the plot crying and screaming and, you know, not bonding with the baby and not wanting to be around her. So, like, And did you take it out on him as well, probably? Oh, yeah, totally. I took it out on my mother-in-law and everything. I was horrible to her, absolutely horrible to her. You know, I apologised afterwards and she was very understanding. But, She's like, a, and she's publicly apologising again. <laughs> yeah. I mean, no, and you know, I still have a great relationship with her, even though me and my husband aren't together anymore. But um, you know, you just have to be understanding and understand that all these hormones, emotions that have been building up inside you for nine months suddenly are gone. So your body is going through a huge withdrawal, not to mind anything else. If all these hormones are suddenly disappeared, sometimes you're on medication, you've got a new baby, you're not sleeping. Just be there, listen and understand because you feel like you're going crazy. You don't need someone else to... And see, the, diff- the difference too. is that when you meet people on the street with your new baby in the buggy, right? Mm-hmm. They're looking at you and you look fine because you don't have a broken leg. Yeah. But we can't see a mental problem. No, no, So no. We, we can see a broken leg. If you had a broken leg, they'd sympathise and help you. Yeah, but, yeah. They, but if you have a mental health problem, they can't see it. So they, no. don't, help, but they don't bother helping. And that's where like the public health nurses are amazing because they're they're tuned into that. They're, they're coming to see you, you know, the new mum and baby. And, you know, just don't be isolated because I isolated myself because I was feeling the way I was feeling. I pulled back from friends and, you know, didn't return calls. And I isolated myself even more. 
So just if you find that a new mum is suddenly becoming very quiet and, you know, pulling away, force yourself on them. Do you know, like that, like the lady was saying there, make them a lasagna. Do you know, come down, say to them, I'll take the baby for an hour, go have a shower. You know, that kind of thing. It's, mm-hmm. it's simple things because being a first time mum is, is, it's terrible. I'm not going to say it's horrendous, but it is horrendous. Well, I mean, well, it's a, but your whole life changes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because yeah. As, as I said at the start of the show, I mean, up to that point in your life, be you 22 or 23, whenever it happens to be, you know, you're only responsible for yourself. Yeah, yeah. But now you're responsible for this little human being. Yeah, And, and yeah. their life is in your hands. That's and, it. and it's a huge responsibility. Yeah, you can't even go to the toilet without taking them in the rocket shot with you, you know? I, I remember that. I remember that well. Listen, thank you very much indeed, Nikki Hayes. All right, I want to go as well to Mo uh, uh, Sultana, who is a perinatal mental health PhD. Uh, Mo, good afternoon to you. Hi, good afternoon. Mo, I'm really glad we brought up this topic because I never thought I'd get so much reaction to a topic, but we have the amount of women who are who can associate with this whole yes. feeling. And I, and I know we can look at the lighter side of it as well once you're through it, but for a lot of women, and I'm seeing some of the texts, it's a really scary time, isn't it? Yes, absolutely. And um, I, I just wanted to point out a few things, because when I started the PhD, uh, oh, oh, and by the way, this is not funded by the government, so I funded myself, so that okay. should tell you. Yeah, okay, so there's no agendas here, yeah, obviously. <laughs> but uh, look, when I started, basically, the conceptualizing of loss is a big problem. Uh, let me put it this way. National Maternity Documentation was a document that looks at how to look after maternity care. It's a 133-page document, and it had only one page for perinatal mental health. Whereas you had bereavement care, it's a big 86-page document that's just focusing on mental health because it's bereaved. So what does tell you, I mean, what I interpreted from it is the fact that we cannot conceptualize loss without our actual baby loss. Okay, I get you. So the yeah. fact that somebody can deliver a healthy baby and still feel not well and not uh, fulfilled or complete and the usual idea, it's just very hard to conceptualize. Yeah. And so then, then I began to question that w- when you're saying mother, who are you referring to? And there's a big problem in referring to what is a mother because that is a big question. So I interviewed a lot of midwives and my PhD basically looks at coming up with a framework that can theorize provide a theoretical framework to understand what goes on psychologically. Because you see, what's happening right now in the current literature, you can explain perinatal mental health through, um, uh, you know, the biochemical reactions. And uh, sadly, all the papers that I have looked at and meta-analysis that I have looked at, the meta-analysis would be uh, people who have looked at 33 or 40 years of documents that have looked at uh, different ways connections between uh, mood and uh, different types of... Uh, well, is there, well, that's the thing, Mo. Is there, is there evidence that, you know, for example, the fluctuations in estrogen or pedestrian or um, any of those kind of hormones that women possess, testosterone, a small amount of it as well, that those fluctuations after having a baby has some sort of direct effect on the amount of serotonin or dopamine that your brain is producing? Is there any scientific connection to, you know, having a baby in postnatal depression? There's two things to that. One is postnatal depression is kind of a umbrella term. So that would be defined as like ma- minor and major episodes of depression that is occurring during pregnancy or postpartum year. Mm-hmm. And also that is not a diagnosis because the DSM-5, which we look at for a diagnosis, that does not have postnatal depression as a diagnosis. What it has is a major depressive disorder and our peripartum onset. They only added it now that now from the time you are pregnant 
until the time four weeks after your birth, if you experience depression, that is major depressive disorder, peripartum onset. So a lot of your view, um, listeners were saying that uh, they might have uh, gone through a checklist in the hospital. That is not a diagnosis, though. That is a screening tool. Yeah, so it's, it's got a behavioral diagnosis exactly. more so, yeah. Exactly. So it's just to pick up whether you are feeling or not. And back to then whether it has any biological cause. So there's a whole lot of literature out there that is still trying to find out exactly pinpoint. But unfortunately, there's only a few things that we can agree on. So agree on like um, prolactin, which rises during a pregnancy. It, It cannot be blocked sufficiently after birth as estrogen level falls after delivery. So prolactin then initiates lactation and the infant's uh, suckling at the breast stimulates the secretion of oxytocin, which makes you feel good. So then people then say, well, breastfeeding makes you, it protects you from depression. That we can agree that breastfeeding okay, so, does. Okay, so breastfeeding you. has a very positive effect on postnatal depression. Okay. Yes, but you see, that is quite a difficult thing to say for everybody because not, well, everybody, not everybody can breastfeed. Yes, yes, absolutely. Exactly. I understand so that. Then that can cause more trauma. Okay, so uh, what, what also, do you say because, there's, as I said, there's loads of mothers texting and some very serious ones. Somebody, like, very, there's a text here that says, my depression had me thinking of killing myself. It was a very scary time in my life. Uh, somebody else says, now I can understand completely what all those women were talking about yesterday when they said this loneliness and isolation. And when my husband went back to work, I genuinely felt like taking my own life on many occasions because I felt, as you say, like a bad parent and I was irresponsible and couldn't deal with this young child. Uh, they're very common feelings that women have. Yes. Yes. And, we, and very serious, of course, as well, because, I mean, you're, you're right Absolutely. down there to serious levels of depression. So what can we exactly. do? Well, the first thing is that we have now created perinatal mental health units in every hospital, every maternity hospital unit. That means whoever is going in to have a baby should be asked woolly questions, as we call by the midwife, about your previous mental health difficulties and how are you currently feeling. But then after you're gone, you would be in touch if it has picked up. Those screening tools that we were talking about, it has picked up. So you will be in touch. So that means a lot of women will not be seeping through the system. It will be picked up before. Because if you've but, had previous, yes. if you had, say, bipolar or yes, you previously had a mental exactly. health condition, you're more at risk, obviously. Exactly. But the point is, once you've picked up what has happened, you can only deal with one in a medication way and the other is the psychological way. And that is where my research comes in because not many people actually discuss about this transition that a woman goes through. Like today you're a woman and then tomorrow you've had the baby and the baby's handed over to you and you're a mother. But, but, but the word mother is a very complicated word because it just... Just by giving birth, you cannot be a mother. You can give a stillbirth and you can still feel like a mother. Mm-hmm. You can foster or adopt, adopt or not give birth and you can still feel like a mother. At what point then the question is, do I become a mother? And do I call myself a mother? Uh, is, it, is it then an empty sack that makes me a mother? What about termination? What about miscarriage? miscarriage? So then you can start to see, even though we are a very scientific discipline, uh, it's very slippery slope when you talk about the mother. So then it is that transition. Because the word, the word, the word, mo- yeah. yeah, because the word, mother yeah, kind of yeah. immediately puts a lot of responsibility onto you, doesn't it? That word. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, you know. And so then you would see the young females are the basically, being female and being young are the two highest risk, which is, which is pretty much, you'd kind of wonder why is it women? And then you'd see 4 to 10% of general population experience depression anyway in their lifetime. But for women, it's 1.5 to 2.5 times higher than men that they will experience depression. And then more so, during the childbearing age, they, the, it'll be the highest risk of them developing depression. And then during the perinatal period again, which is the 4 to 6 weeks of getting pregnant until uh, 2 to 3 years, arguably, after birth, it is in that period 
period, if, if a woman was supposed to have 10, let's say, psychological difficult moments in their entire life, they will have nine of them in that period. So this period, obviously, is such a massive period. And I, and I did, speak, I did speak to one woman as well, sorry for interrupting, but yeah. she was telling me that she enjoyed her pregnancy, right? Yeah. And she loved being pregnant and she loved the compliments that she got when she was pregnant. I suppose people say things like, oh, you're blossoming and you look beautiful. and all. So she loved being pregnant and she enjoyed the feeling of being pregnant. And when the baby was born, I think for her, there was a bit of an anticlimax. Maybe she expected yeah. something different or she expected to feel the same way, but then all of a sudden she didn't anymore. She felt obviously a little bit unwell and physically unwell because obviously you have to go through all the labour pains, you have to go through the, the problems when it comes to your pelvic floor muscles and all yeah. those other things that go along with having a baby. But not only that, then she suddenly had this baby and she wasn't pregnant anymore, so she didn't feel that good anymore. Exactly. And you see the same in IVF. Unfortunately, people with IVF, and more and more women are putting um, pregnancy later, and, and that's their personal choice. But scientifically, you know, objectively looking at it, it, it just seems that more and more women that they are going for IVF, the rate of postnatal depression in that uh, zone is just massive. Okay, so um, you're saying you have a higher risk of it if you're, yes, if you're leaving absolutely. it to 35 to have a baby. You're, oh, absolutely. You're going to have a absolutely. higher risk of having a postnatal depression. Absolutely. Look, it's an yeah. extremely interesting topic and it, it's something maybe that we haven't thought about. I know last week was Mental Health, Mental Health Awareness Week, but certainly I think yeah. this week it's a good idea to focus on this because well, I've listened to a lot of conversations last week and I never heard this mentioned once. And it's something that affects probably nearly most women in the world at some point if they're having a baby. Uh, oh, absolutely. And for men. I mean, men will have twice the um, uh, depression uh, risk if their partner is actually going through IVF and are depressed. So it's it's absolutely a because huge of course they topic. have to support them, you know, and help <laughs> and help support them. And of course, yeah. by the way, let's not ignore the fact that you know the husband or the partner suddenly yeah. his life has changed as well because obviously yeah. he has a baby to consider and a child to consider. So his life is everybody's life is just kind of turned upside down until yeah. until you suppose get back into a routine of life again. Yes, and if you didn't have good communication to begin with and you didn't know each other's flaws and other things and worldview and philosophical mm. ideas, this is the time when the big stuff is going to go upside down because you used to be two and now you are a threesome. It's just really difficult. All right, well, look, thank you very much indeed. Some great advice. Mo Sultana, who's a perinatal no mental health uh, PhD. Thank you very much. Uh, loads and loads of people are texting in. Somebody says, um, I suffered bad postnatal depression. I went down to a graveyard one morning and took a lot of tablets. I had two children under the age of two. Uh, dad was an abusive drug addict. I felt helpless. Absolutely. And I'm managing the world because you didn't have very much support in that situation, obviously, if the father wasn't much used to. Uh, loads of people texting in in relation to this. And somebody says, uh, fair play, Niall. I haven't heard this discussed on radio before. It's a very interesting topic. Uh, I, as a man, never understood what women go through, not just the physicality of it, but also the mental uh, distortion of having a baby. Uh, well, yeah, absolutely. OK, keep texting. Keep WhatsApping. The number is 087 Maybe you can share your experience after having a baby. Did you have postnatal depression? Or maybe you didn't, by the way. I'd like to hear from you as well and maybe you didn't really have an understanding of what it was for many women out there and a large percentage of women do Sandra you're on Classic Kids how are you doing Sandra? Hi Niall how are you? Good Sandra I mean gosh I mean we all think of you know having a baby as this most wonderful event and the most natural thing in the world and yes we understand there's a physical side to it that women have to go through that recovery period for you know a few weeks of the the physical problems of having a baby but we never really look into the mental problems of it no, I don't think we do. And um, with me, it took me up to having my second baby to realise what was actually happening. The first baby, like Nikki, I was three days having her and it was very, very traumatic. But I wasn't, um, I was living at home at the time, like not married. And 
um, I, I just felt ashamed I, all through my pregnancy. I don't know. I just felt ashamed. So when I what a shame! A shame that you didn't have a partner and you were pregnant. Yep. Yeah, and I had like, oh, just shut up and get on with it. Who are you to talk? You know, just yeah. dress up, turn up, and shut up. That's the way I felt. But when I had my third baby. I had him so quickly in, in in the room where all the parents were after you had a recovery room. Yeah. I just went into labor, had him. I, it wasn't, I couldn't believe I had a baby, but it was after that, I um, it was traumatic, the pregnancy I was in and out of the hospital. But I just remember feeling a total low. He was very dependent on me then when he was born in his billy room and he, he was taken out me when I was going home. So I think this caught up with me. Okay. And I just remember he was a couple of, weeks old and I was ironing my clo- his, his clothes um, and my little girls and I thought oh god you know what if I jump under a train like all my troubles will be over and that's and then, how that's how, fa- that's how bad you felt at the time yep I don't know why and do you know what the, do, start, but do you know what those troubles were no do you, I, I you don't even know looked, I looked up it was just a feeling a horrible feeling and then I looked at my little girl caught me and she was playing with her brother, and I went, Jesus Christ, what are you doing? You know, I need help. Yeah. So I rang my husband, um, he brought me to the doctor, but I, what got me going and kept me going was, um, what about these kids? Who's going to mind them? They're mine. Nobody will love them like me. So I focused on that. I was given antidepressants, and they were worse. I mean, I fell asleep in the kitchen and left the cooker on one day. And I got a fright after that, so I got I I done it a different way. I chose mm. a different route to deal with it, more holistic way. But the fear, it, it just you don't know how to you don't know what it is. And it's like it's like that feeling, you know, that feeling of that people have sometimes have. You wake up in the morning and you're in a bad mood, and you don't know why you're in a bad mood. Well, I yeah. suppose that that feeling of being so so badly depressed and not knowing what you're worried about, or not yeah. knowing there's so many things going through your mind. But I didn't have anybody to talk to. I was totally isolated. I was trying to run my own business. I was, I didn't know I had an underlying illness that didn't, you know, come because to you can't I see had it. my third. Yeah, because yeah, you can't see just, it. So I think my your body goes into shock, and it, it's it's a chemical imbalance within your body, and I wasn't eating properly. So see, this is the thing when we when we don't feel well, if we have the flu or if we you know if we have a bit of a temperature, we go off and take medication or we go and visit the doctor or we, because we can see the problem and we can feel the yeah. problem and there's a diagnosis for it. But when we have you know depression or you have postnatal depression, because you can't see it or you can't treat it yourself with a cough bottle or something like that, we don't yeah. we don't look after it properly. I know, but i I felt like then, oh, shut up, don't be saying you're depressed, you know, hide it, sure, sure. Because, you know, I didn't know another mother with depression. They were all dressing up and looking jolly. And I just felt I had to do the same. Put your makeup on, go to work. But I guess... But I see, they were felt, all doing exactly what you were doing probably yeah, as well. exactly. We're all in, probably <laughs> yeah, in the all same pret- boat. Yeah? All pretending to be happy. Yeah, you know, yeah, I suppose. Yeah. But, and don't get me wrong, you know, not every mother goes through a bad time. I know some of the mothers are texting in, for example, Trish and uh, Bray said, nah, listening to the show uh, making makes me feel so blessed. I had a lovely pregnancy, loved my son from the minute I saw him. My heart goes out to those poor women who suffered that. So, I yeah. mean, yeah, it is, but there is a large percentage of women who go through what you go through, Sandra, and people just don't have yeah. an understanding of it. I know, but I never, at one time, never didn't love the kids. They were still are my life. I loved mm. them. And I never felt like that. It was just my own horrible feeling. But I guess I, I dealt with it through counselling. And if I can add as well, Niall, there are mammies who have to have their wounds removed. And some of them are not told. For instance, I know this woman, and she had postnatal depression, but she had to have her womb removed. 
But she was never told that after that she would hit and go into total depression, which she ended up in hospital. It got so bad. Okay. So you're not told that either. So yeah, and that's what Nikki was saying. Best. Nikki was saying at the start of the show that when she went to all the you know, the prenatal classes, they talked about the breathing and how to work on your pelvic floor muscles after you have the baby yeah. and all those kind of things. But nobody ever mentioned to her how depressed you were going to feel or you could yeah. feel after yeah. having the baby. Because you imagine having a baby, everybody's going to be deliriously happy about the whole thing. But yeah. you know, but there's so many facets to having a baby. Your life changes. You know, yeah. your schedule changes. Your routine has changed. Your body has changed. Everything changes. And it's very hard and there's no to deal co- with. Yes. There's no courses for it, Niall. I mean, you, have, you, you learn how to drive. You you learn your, your skill in life, what you're going, your career-wise. But with, it, with having a baby, nobody teaches you. And you're like... Totally with me, I just felt inadequate. Am I doing the right thing? Because I didn't have a, a great start myself mm-hmm. with, with my mother and personal issues and my siblings. I, so I didn't know what it was like to be a mother. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So nobody, so, nobody well, there is no book and nobody exactly. gives you lessons. And then everybody is very quick to tell you what you're doing wrong, by the way. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, I didn't do it like that when you were a child. So everybody's mm-hmm. very quick to tell you how you're doing it wrong. And then all of a sudden you feel like a bad mother. Okay, well, Sandra, thank you very much indeed for sharing your story with me. I want to go to Liga. Uh, hello, Niall. Okay, how are you doing? You, had, uh, you have four children. I have four children. I have an eight-year-old. I have a twins. They are four. And I have a two-year-old baby. Okay. And how were your pregnancies and how did you get on after your, yeah, your, baby, your baby was born? I had I had myself, I had a kind of messy life before kids and I liked to party and stuff. So we were planning our first child with my other half. But when pregnancy was beautiful. But then when child was born, I remember the day when we came back from hospital and we put a car seat on the couch and we said, what now? I remember the confusion I had. Mm-hmm. And since then, I was trying to get everything perfect. I wanted my child to be perfect, and I put so much pressure on myself and on my other half that year only later, only a year later, I broke down. I had a bottle of wine in McDonald's because I didn't want to go home. Oh and my. I was thinking, hold on, what's happening with me? What's going on? And uh, thanks to my other half, who was very supportive, he was talking to someone who we know, a psychologist, and she was saying, look, it's my postnatal depression. I somehow got it through that one. I, I, um, I, I'm thinking about when you, when you said there, when you got home, when you took the baby seat out of the car and you walked into the house, here's your brand new baby, and you put him down on the sofa, you know, or whatever it was in the, in the little baby chair, and the two of you looking at each other go, okay, what do we do now? And that's the, the kind of feeling a lot of mo- young mothers have. Like, what am I supposed to do? I'm now responsible for this human life, and maybe I don't know how to look after it properly. It's that's that's as well, of course, factor because in hospital I was five days after section and there was midwives. They were helping and they were great. And then when you get home, I think the element of responsibility which kicks in. Mm-hmm. You just really worry that you get it right. Yeah. And you don't want your kids to make the same mistakes what maybe I made. Yeah. And you try to make this little human being for the best you can. And I think we overdid, I overdid with that part. That and of course, with your much. first child, you're going to be naturally overprotective as well. Of course. Yeah. Of course. So I think after a year, I just couldn't handle any more pressure of my own. And that's when the breakdown happened. And then, um, yeah, it took some time kind of just to, to get through that. Yeah. To yeah. get through that, but without any other help, just two of us. 
And then after three years, four years, we planned another baby, and I got pregnant with twins, which was total shock for me. That, that uh, must have been, I, I'm, I'm sure it's a wonderful occasion, that, you know, to be given that news, and you kind of think this is really exciting, but all of a sudden you have double the issue. You uh, have now two shock. babies. The, I think all pregnancy, my mind was in the blank mm-hmm. because it was such a shock. Yeah. And then babies were born and I said to my other half, I said, here, we need to look out for the postnatal depression because now I know what it is. And time went on and eight months passed and I said, I'm still okay. This is great. And then one day I came home and suddenly I realized what the mistakes I have made with my first one how much pressure I've been putting on him. And I broke down in the kitchen for two hours, bawling my eyes out. Couldn't even talk. And my other half, I remember standing opposite, and we will somehow manage. Mm. But then I said, I need help. I need help from somewhere else. And I went on a dating list for a counselor for therapy service. And how did did that work out for you? Did that work for you? And I waited for six months. But because six I, months is a long time to have to wait to talk to somebody, huge. isn't it? It was yeah. massive. But I was starting to kind of read more and figure out. And yeah, you were, you were starting to look for information and do a bit of research yourself on yeah. it, yeah. And, and it's lucky, I suppose, in the situation you described very much how your partner, you know, played a fairly decent role in the whole thing and seemed very supportive. Oh, huge, because then we knew what it is and now we just needed to take day by day. Yeah. Kind of... But then when I got to counselling, it took six sessions and I was out of it. I was great. And, and it is, it's a, it's a word of warning for women. And I know it can be difficult having twins, by the way. That's something else that we probably don't think of. I know somebody who had triplets. I know what that could be like as well. Uh, it's certainly a word of warning for women that sometimes, you know, you think everything is going grand and then all of a sudden it kicks in. Liga, thank you for sharing your story with us. Leslie, you're on Classic Kids. How are you doing, Leslie? Hi, Lionel. How are you? Uh, I, I'm just... I'm absolutely overwhelmed listening to some of the stories over the last two days from women. I just didn't realise how badly this affected women. I really don't think women know how badly it affects women. I know personally, before I had my experience, I neither had patience nor time for listening to people who were down. I used to be saying, would you pull yourselves together? Just cheer up there, yeah. Yeah, do you know, it's grand, it's grand, you have a lovely baby, what have you got to be worried about and whatever the case may be. But from my point of view... I was 34 when I had my third child. I had never suffered any type of depression of any kind throughout my lifetime. Throughout the pregnancy, it was a very bad pregnancy from start to finish. And I'd say about six weeks after finding out, all of a sudden this anxiety started. Mm. In my head, everything was going wrong. Um, I'd find a lump, I was dying. I'd have a sore toe, my toe was falling off. Uh, this was going on throughout the whole pregnancy. I didn't see the signs. Other people around me could start to see the signs. Mm-hmm. Um, to put long story short, at 30 weeks, I lost my water. And in my head, I was like, you see, I told you. I told you this baby isn't going to survive. And got into hospital. And I spent five weeks inside in the hospital in a long-term room for bed rest. And would you, um, by the way, are you normally a pessimistic person? I am the most. <laughs> unpessimistic person I'm always so laid back and outgoing and this is what so this, this was like a paranoia pessimism in some sense this, this was unreal this was like I literally I had days I remember walking the two children to school and my other two children and I remember coming back and they were going get into the house quick before you go jump in front of that car so you were, you were terrified something was going to happen to them. I was terrified. My brain had totally taken over my body. There was days I'd have to lock myself in the back seat of the car 
because of the child acts, because I knew my brain was going to make me jump out of the car. It was the most surreal. So you, you sat in the back of the car to avoid yourself doing something stupid. Avoid jumping out of the car. Yeah, I, I literally was not in control. I felt like my brain. You, you probably felt like you were body. going insane. Yeah, yeah, totally. And when my son was born, I had this thing in my head that he was going to die if I didn't look after him all the time. I wouldn't allow my husband near him. None of my family were allowed to be around him. Not that they weren't around him, but I stayed awake for a week solid. And if, what I, happened if somebody came over and they said, can I hold the baby? Yeah, that was fine. I had one face for the public and I had one face for when right, I was okay. But when, when, they were, when they were holding the baby, were you looking terrified, thinking they were going to drop yeah, him or something? Or? I was thinking the minute, because in my head I was thinking, they'll hand him back to me now and I'll drop the baby and he'll die. And everyone will say, oh my God, you just dropped your baby and he's dead. This is how silly it was in my own head you you were thinking 40 steps ahead of everybody else at some sort of doomsday situation yeah yeah and I I look back on it now and I think how irrational I must have seemed but I remember I I just got to a point I I remember going over to the GP on a Friday evening and And how old was the baby at that stage sorry how old was the baby he was was four and a half weeks at this stage Okay, because he had spent three weeks in neonatal because of her maturity right and then when I got him home because his issues had been that he had stopped breathing a few times and you know so in my head it was like this, this is I'm telling you I keep trying to tell you he's going to die and nobody will listen to me and, and it'll be all my fault yeah and, and it'll all be my fault so if I stay awake and I watch him all the time nothing can happen to him and nobody can blame me and then like I said we got him home and I spent a week and a half just terrified not sleeping so I went to the GP on a Friday evening and I'll never forget it and there was a low come in and he just said to me, are you okay? And I said, no. I said, um, I don't know what's wrong with me. And he said to me, are you a danger to yourself or your baby? And I looked at him, of course I'm not a danger to my baby. But all I heard in my head was, you are a danger to your baby. And I could remember leaving the GP's office that day and I walked across to our local car park. I couldn't find my car. I, I and what, and what, you, what was going through your head? They're going to take the baby off me now. They think I'm a danger to the baby. baby off me. I have to get home. I have to keep the baby safe because they're going to come and take my baby now. And I remember going over, I couldn't find the car. I was in such a muddle. I remember sitting in the corner of the car park crying. The car was probably two feet in front of me, but I was so messed up. I couldn't even see what was in front of me. And I remember driving home that evening. I don't even know how I got home. And I took the baby. I went upstairs and I just lay there for hours. And my husband came up and he said, Les, there's something not right with you. He said, you know, you need to go and talk to someone. And had your husband noticed, well, obviously you said he, you wouldn't even let him touch the baby at one stage. But so no, he, 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 had no, he had noticed yeah. that you, you were behaving erratically up to that point. He, he kind of had and kind of hadn't. He thought, Asher, she's just hormonal and she's getting used to She'd be grand. Because I'd been feeling like a failure as it was because I had two other children at home. I'd spent five weeks in hospital, you know, and I was kind of saying... So you just felt like a bad there. mother. I'm a bad mother. Oh, yeah. I was, I was the worst in the world. Like I, yeah. I can, like I said, my mum came up to me and she said to me, "Let's, let's go and see the GP on Monday." So we went to my GP, who was actually back that day, and she's a wonderful, wonderful GP. And I can remember going in, and my mum said to me, "It said to the GP, she said, there's something wrong with her, Yvonne.' She said because she's the strongest person I know, and if she's breaking like this, there's something really wrong." And at that stage, I just burst into tears, and I said, "I can't take it anymore." They're going to take my children. I just wish someone would lock me in a room so I can't hurt myself and I won't be responsible for hurting anyone. And she said to me, just calm down. She said, firstly, nobody's taking your children. 
Secondly, you are going through a bad time. We're going to have someone come and speak with you and we'll get you sorted. And she said, and if you do want to go into a hospital for a couple of days, and of course that was the worst thing she could have said because I was like, no, 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 you're going to lock me up. Because then you're going to take me away from the baby again. Leslie, do me a favour, will you? I want to hear the end of your story and I know a lot of people are very interested in in how you recovered. So please stay with us and I'll come straight back to you, all right? Um, You can keep texting, keep WhatsApping. The number is 087-188-0008. I'll just take one or two more calls after the break because there's so much interest in this. Let me get back to Leslie, and I'm sorry for keeping you waiting, Leslie Ann. So I'm still, I'm back with you in this car park now. So here you are in this car park, right? You're crying your eyes out, you can't find the car, and then your husband comes along and realises, obviously, this is serious, there's something very wrong. So you need to to go and talk to somebody. So who did you go and talk to? Um, At first, I wouldn't listen to him because I thought I knew my own head, and you know, you don't know what you're talking about. And my mum came and she had a word with me and she said, we'll go to the GP and blah, blah, blah. But in between that, I'd had two anxiety attacks, which I didn't recognise as anxiety attacks. Right. Um, one of them ended up with me being carted away in an ambulance one morning because I couldn't breathe. So you were getting um, palpitations, which would be very common for anxiety, yeah, of course, yeah. I, yeah, I literally, my head would just start to go and I'd shake from head to toe. Um, I'd lose my breath. I, I was in an awful way. But anyway, a week later or so, anyway, we went to the GP. And she's wonderful, wonderful GP, very, very kind and... Like I said, my mum sat with me and she said, look, if she's breaking, there's something wrong. She's the strongest one out of all of us. And so they um, got me in touch with the day hospital. And I remember going over with the letter after I'd been in with the GP and sitting inside there thinking, I have to get out of here. I have to get out of here. I can't be here. As soon as I tell someone else, they'll definitely take him. Um, you know, that'll be the end of it. And this woman, Maureen, this counsellor, such a wonderful, wonderful person. And she, I remember her walking down the hallway and she said, can I help you? And I handed her the letter. And she said to me, would you have two minutes and we'll go into the room and we'll have a quick chat. And I went in there and I spent the next hour and a half crying and crying and crying, not being able to breathe, not being able to tell her anything. You know, and she mm. just sat there. You were almost, almost hysterical at that stage. Well, I was in this. You, you, you must have thought you were losing your mind. I really did. I genuinely did. And I kept thinking to myself, why is this happening to me? What have I done? And then I start to think, did I do this 10 years ago? And is that why this is happening? And, you know, and then I remember she just came over and she put both her hands on my shoulders and pressed down. And she said, can you feel that? And I said, yeah. And she said, you're not alone. I'm here with you. Come out of your own head. You're not alone. And it was one of the most extraordinary feelings I've ever had because when you're in this situation, you live so much in your own head. You're in a room with crowds of people. They're all talking. You're smiling. You're giggling. And in your head, you're thinking, Tamara, when you find out that I'm dead, you're going to say, I was sitting with her yesterday and she was laughing away. This is the kind so of thought. All the thoughts. Yeah, I, I t- when I went through depression about two years ago, over mm-hmm. a marriage breakup, it was over something different. I used to describe that feeling as, I used to call it the sweetie mice. And it was like all these little mice were running around in your head. And although everybody, and you're talking to people, or I, I'd be on the radio and I'd be chatting to callers like you, but while I was talking to you, I would have loads and loads of thoughts going through my head. And all, yeah. I used to call them the sweetie mice. And the sweetie mice were running around causing mischief in my head. Because and no one understands that until you've actually gone through it. And you can't describe it like the way you're describing it. It's true. It's like little itches, like little, little kind of pins and needles going around your brain. And nobody, like I said, can see it and nobody can understand it. And if you try and tell someone you feel like, they're going to judge you and they're going to think you're crazy. Oh, yeah. She, they used to say that to me. She was grand. I heard you on the radio yesterday. You were fine. You were yeah. chatting to all those people. She yeah. were laughing and having a joke and everything. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, it was unreal. And I remember, like, it was just that feeling of 
of her touch pushing down on my shoulders and like come out of your own head stop being in your own head and my mum I remember <laughs> she was terrified because she'd been sitting out in the car waiting for me to come out after dropping <laughs> off the letter and she came running in and she's like my daughter was supposed to be here she's not here and so Maureen heard this going on outside and she came out and she got my mum and we just sat there and she just said Leslie-Anne nobody's going to take your children you're doing a great job you're going through a hard time your tank is empty what we're going to do is we're going to refill your tank and I can remember mm. thinking no anything you're not going to help me you know but so how did, how did it, I mean, how are you now, by the way? Now, these days, I have my good and my bad days. I had um, been on the tablets for two months. Myself and my husband now, say we've been together for 14 years. We only got married two years ago. And I can remember just before the wedding, I was determined I wanted to be off the tablets for that. You know, I found it. Because it, it does put a huge strain on a relationship as well. You know, that's yeah, of course. And, and I found myself a failure. And I, I didn't actually even tell people that I suffered with this. I thought it was a failure on my behalf. And then after my relapse, I remember um, it was coming up to Christmas. And again, everything started again. If I felt a lump, I was dying. If I had a cough, I had lung cancer. I literally had convinced myself of every worst case scenario. And I can remember going You weren't to Googling it by any stretch of the imagination, were you? Oh, listen, come here, Google was my best friend. <laughs> right. Because I always warn people, if you feel a pain or a cough or whatever, yeah, please don't go to Google. Google. <laughs> yeah, because according to Google, you are going to die. Yeah. So I remember I drove into I drove into the hospital. I had a panic attack the whole way in the car. I couldn't feel my arms, couldn't feel my legs. Got to the hospital car park and it stopped. And it was that minute I knew it's back because I felt safe. And I felt safe because I was in a hospital environment. Mm-hmm. And um, I rang my mum and I said, Mum, I'm in trouble. And she said, thank God. And I said, what? And she said, I've seen this for weeks. <laughs> but she said, I knew I couldn't say it to you because you wouldn't take it in. And I got back in touch with the counsellor again. And she was brilliant. And I said, I'm so sorry. I feel like I failed you because you taught me everything to deal with this and I can't deal with it. And she was saying, look, <coughs> this happens to a lot of people. And uh, cut a long story short, I went back on the tablet so I started doing mindfulness. Mm. I uh, talked to people about it. Um, I wasn't ashamed anymore. <coughs> I think there's still a big stigma. You want to watch that cough, by the way. And don't don't Google it, Leslie Ann. Please don't Google it. Just <laughs> get yourself a cough bottle, and you might be all right. But look, <laughs> I, I'm glad to see that you're. I'm glad to see that you're out the other side, more or less. And I know you're going to have yeah. your down days and your up days, but may, yeah. maybe you just learn to deal with it better now. Is probably the. I'll tell you something. There's light at the end of every tunnel. Oh, there is. There is. People need to stay positive because everyone will suffer from this at one stage or another in their life. It's nothing to be ashamed of. It's something you have to cope with. Do as the counsellor tells you. Do as the GP tells you. Take the tablets. Take the counselling. Do your mindfulness. Do what's right for you. If you feel like you have a day where you need to cry, cry. It's okay. It's yeah, sob your brains out. If you want. If you <laughs> think it'll make you feel better. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so that, that's just my story. And I hope, like I said, that... Well, look, I, I know you sharing your story. Do you know what's great? When you, when you listen to your story, and those parts of your story are extremely sad and very concerning, right? But I know there are other mothers around the country who go, gosh, that's the way I felt. That's the way I feel. Maybe they're just happening now. And at least they feel now that they're not on their own, that there's other people out there who have that same feeling of being insane. Because literally. nobody wanted to talk about it. Everyone talks about postnatal depression. And it's a horrible, horrible situation. But when you have postpartum psychosis and you feel like your brain is, is taking over your body and it's ruining your life, and you don't want to sound like you're crazy and you don't want to look like you're crazy. And there's so many women around this country who must be feeling the same way I did. 
And I'm just sure there is. Go and get out. Just, just admit Absolutely. it and just go. Great and advice. Nobody, nothing's going to happen. You know, everything's going to be better. Listen, thank you very much for sharing that with us, Leslie Allen. I wish you the best in the future. Uh, let me go to Deirdre finally on this because I have so many people who would love to talk about it, uh, but unfortunately we can't squeeze everybody in. Uh, Deirdre, you suffered with a hyperemesis gravidarum, which is basically severe morning sickness, and, and you were suicidal at the time. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, hi, nice. Sorry, <laughs> first okay. off. Uh, is this your um, first time on the radio? <laughs> uh, not this radio. Okay, all right, okay. Well, okay cause we, I don't, I don't want to frighten you if you're nervous. Okay, so <laughs> no, 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 no. When, when, no, did, did, when did the morning sickness start, as soon as you got pregnant? So, so pretty much on the first pregnancy, it kicked in at, at eight weeks, and uh, it was right through to the very, very end. And like uh, on a first pregnancy, you're completely clueless, hadn't a clue, and everyone kept saying, oh... Another week, another week, another week. You'd be week, grand next week. You'd be grand, yeah. yeah. Or hit this point, you'd be fine. So, in fairness, I went along with it. Nothing more I could do. Um, I did have to take about eight weeks off. Just literally, I was too sick to go to work and literally went from couch to bed and just horrendous. Um, so and were you actually time, getting sick constantly or yeah. was it just a feeling of being sick? It was a feeling of being sick, but I was constantly getting sick as well. So right, how... Okay. So I was probably about a stone and a half lighter after I, my, my after delivering my kids than I was before I got pregnant. Right, okay. Each time, so it was horrendous. Yeah. Um, so then second time round, um, uh, it was pretty much almost instantaneous. The sickness kicked in. And like that, I just thought, no, I can't do this. This is just horrendous. Mm-hmm. And sat down with the GP and she'd had actually somebody in with her in the days before that who had looked for a termination, her sickness was so bad. Um, and I could empathise with that person. I thought, yep, yeah, I could. No, it was never You just didn't accident. want to go through this again, yeah. No, couldn't go through it again. So like that, one day at work, I just completely fell apart and a colleague said, just get down to the rotunda, see what they say. And then at that point, I did say to the midwife, I um, want to take my hands off the steering wheel. I just can't do this. Like I am a, an oncology nurse mm-hmm. and I was taking some of the anti-sickness medication that we give to our chemo patients and it was making no difference whatsoever. Okay. These are the, that uh, was the level of it. These are the kind of anti-rigid. Yeah, yeah, I know the words. Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, and and it was just all day long, every day. You just you just you, you just like your life just wasn't your own anymore. You, this was in control of you completely. Yeah, and as I kept saying to people, I feel as if I have a parasite. That's how I describe my babies, and <laughs> it sounds terrible. And people used to give out to me, and I'm going, but that's what it feels like. I have this thing eating from me, feeding off me, and I, there's nothing I can do. So how did, what what was the the end result and how did you I mean obviously this was leading into severe depression um, it was and, so and the, what 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 was how did that manifest itself this depression then well just purely uh, me saying to the midwife I I just want to take my hands off the steering mm. wheel at which point then they um they called the mental health nurse down who then spoke to the psychiatrist and he said she is not to leave this hospital under any circumstances and at that point. Like they wanted me to get my husband in. Yeah. He wasn't aware of any of this. And um, I had to bring him down to the rotunda and say, just before we go in here, this is what I've said to them. And he was so upset that I hadn't, I suppose, confided in him. But I just felt, look, you're pregnant. It's part of it. Just get over yourself and get on with it. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you didn't think he was going to support you properly. You, you believed he would just kind of brush it off like everybody else and say that's, no. what, that's part of pregnancy. 
No, no, he wouldn't. He never would have done that. But that was just in my mind. I in just your felt, mind, that's what I'm saying. I just had to get over myself and just get on with it. Mm-hmm. And I didn't ask for help until that point, whereby it became a real risk that I was going to take my hands off. The and how many, how many weeks? Sorry, how many weeks are you pregnant at this stage? Only eleven. Only eleven. Ten. Weeks. Ten. Only ten weeks. Yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So there was a long way to go after that. <laughs> well, there certainly was. You had another thirty to go. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, so you were you admitted then at that stage? I was admitted that night um, for 48 hours and then saw the psychiatrist the following day. And then um, he put me on anti- antidepressants from 12 weeks to the very end. Okay. And were you still getting sick right up to the end? Right up to the end, right up to delivery that yeah, must on have, both of them. That must have been horrendous. That would be enough to put you out for getting pregnant for life. That must have been horrendous to, to be well, constantly the, getting sick. Yeah, well, that was the reason I didn't go for number three. I would have happily loved another baby, but, but I you were afraid it would happen again. I was afraid it happen again, yeah. And the chances are probably likely it would have. Yeah, again. and it was it was worse second time round than the first time round. And when your baby was born, was that a big relief to you, or did you suffer from depression then afterwards as well? No, it was you know I actually I was lying there in the bed, and it, you could almost feel the the heaviness leave. It was like taking mm-hmm. off a lead coat. Okay. And after that, then no bother. Yeah, so we, we've happier. talked a lot over the last two days about, I suppose, you know, um, people having depression after the baby, but not during the pregnancy. And of course, that's where you had it was during the pregnancy, which is probably less common. Yeah. Unless yeah. there's complications, of course, and many women do have complications or have been given really bad diagnosis during the pregnancy. Yeah. All right. Well, look, thank you very much indeed for sharing the story. And I hope there's other women will take something out of that. But look, the, the bottom line is you got through it anyway, Deirdre, in the end. And you had a lovely baby, boy or girl. Uh, two girls. You have two girls now, all right. I have two girls, yeah, yeah. And how old are they now? They are nine and five. All right, okay. So time yeah. time is a good healer as well. All right, well, congratulations. <laughs> exactly. and thanks very much indeed, all right. Thank you. Cheers. All right, Bye. okay, loads and loads of people texting in. Uh, somebody says, great information on this topic. The person says, not, I'm pregnant, and it's wonderful to listen to some of these, or share the, the experience with some of these ladies, hoping I'll have a good pregnancy. Uh, just to remind people that not all pregnancies turn out that way. Absolutely, absolutely. Can I remind the majority of pregnancies, by the way, go sailing. And nothing really happens, and apart from the fact that you'll have a baby. And the majority of women won't go through what a lot of these women went through. Um, the statistics show that roughly between around 15% of women will have serious depression after having a baby, which is quite a lot, to be honest with you, 15 out of every 100. Uh, many of you will suffer different psychological issues, obviously just having a baby in the house, all of a sudden this new human being, and not knowing what to do with it, particularly if it's your first baby and you're becoming very overprotective. Um, that can be a problem. Uh, but look, thank you very much to everybody who got involved in that topic over the last two days. I found it extremely interesting. And I hope, by the way, men listening as well as women found it interesting as well in the sense that when your partner has a baby, that maybe now you have a better understanding of what it's like. All right. Real people, real opinions, real talk radio. The multi award winning Niall Boylan Show. Classic hits.